You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, Episode 72. When we're able to recognize something as a pattern and the beginnings of something, and we begin to see patterns establish that repeat history, it can increase our awareness and we can make choices about how we want to respond. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Welcome to another episode of the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Rinchler. I've chosen to do a solo show today because I haven't done one in a while, and I really wanted to focus on the power that each of us holds individually and how we can affect change together as a profession, national change, global change. And the change that I'm talking about is an increase in tolerance, respect, and understanding across our differences and our beliefs. You see, my number one strength is that of connectedness. So I believe to the core of my being that we're all connected, that every living being is a part of a force greater than ourselves, and we have a responsibility to each other to honor that connectedness, to use the skills that we have developed to be extraordinary coaches to help each of us honor that connection. So right out of the gate, I'll say, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know that just by the draw that we have to the field of coaching. We have elements of belief in people and belief in how we want to be. It's those very skills that we value and hone within the coaching process of listening deeply, clarifying, avoiding assumption, staying curious and believing in the wholeness and the resourcefulness of others that unfortunately right now feels like it's under attack, that it's diminished or discounted or discarded in the way that people treat others who may disagree with their opinions, their philosophy, their dogma, that somehow we can't respect differences. Instead, we have to disparage differences. I teach coaching students in coach training to recognize cognitive distortions so that they can then partner with their clients to develop potential patterns that might get in the way of reaching goals and help their clients bring new awareness about so that they can make a decision about, is this thinking pattern effective in helping me reach the goals that I've set for myself? Or is it in fact ineffective and creating barriers? So I thought today that we could explore a few of these cognitive patterns that have been researched and in existence for years, but that sometimes in understanding them and actually even perhaps naming them, we can identify and not allow them to create the kind of barrier that they create when they're not recognized. So what these cognitive distortions usually do in these patterns of thinking, 
they create challenges in our ability to stay curious and our ability to explore and learn. And when we can identify, like I said, we can then look at how does this pattern potentially hinder open communication and collaboration? And how do these patterns then increase division and disdain between people? And when we can recognize those patterns and thoughts within ourselves, within those people in our lives, whether they be our neighbors, our co-workers, family members, our leaders, we can perhaps see what isn't working more clearly or look at it from a different perspective so that we can continue to address those issues with an intention of increasing positive outcomes and decreasing division. So I wonder how many of these patterns of cognitive distortions are familiar to you. I know that personally, I have fallen into a place of communicating from these places at different times in my life. And I tend to communicate with cognitive distortion when I in a place of lacking self-confidence or struggling with my esteem or my self-identity. If I'm in a place of vulnerability, I'm more likely to pull from a cognitive distortion. And it's by being aware of these distortions that I can then increase my awareness, take a step back and make a decision. So I just wonder which of these might be familiar to you. And let's, we're just going to go over a couple cognitive distortions. There are many, but I just picked a few for us to explore. And what I encourage you to do as I describe the distortion is to think, oh yeah, I can fall into that pattern at times, or I see where this is an issue between particular groups or in a particular segment that, that I wonder what I can do to perhaps counter some of that. So let's start with polarized thinking. And it's also known as all or nothing thinking or black and white thinking. It's about operating in the extremes. In my experience of working with people over three decades is that anytime we live at one end of the polar or the other, we tend to miss a lot of what's going on in the gray. I understand that there can be times or issues that we feel very extreme about. I would challenge that living an entire life at one end of the extreme or the other or consistently operating from the extreme tends to obviously keep us polarized and decrease a willingness to explore the gray, to look toward any level of collaboration. Overgeneralization is another distortion, and it's about taking one instance or one piece of truth and painting the entire portrait, the entire picture through that one piece of truth. This can lead to overly negative thoughts. It can lead to assuming the worst in people, situations, and outcomes. A close relation to overgeneralization is mental filter, in which our lens focuses in on one aspect, usually a negative, and it filters out any positive or opposing view to the one that we are choosing to focus on, to the exclusion of acknowledging any evidence of contrary of any other viewpoint. The truth is, is that our brains are incredible 
incredibly powerful. And if we tell our brain that this is what my focus is, and I want you to find evidence to support this, our brain works very hard to find anything that supports that and exclude anything that doesn't. Obviously, if we're mentally filtering out any opposition, it's going to be difficult for us to explore or stay curious. At any time, if we determine that we know what someone else is thinking without the benefit of asking or determining what they're thinking, it's called jumping to conclusions. And this particular aspect of jumping to conclusions is also known as mind reading. When we fall into that distortion of mind reading, we become sort of the decision maker of what other people are thinking and what their motives are, because we've chosen to believe that we're mind readers, that we know that about that person. Well, that certainly, I'm sure you can imagine, is a big closer of open communication and exploration. I don't know that any of us like being told what we think or what our reasoning is. In fact, that tends to usually lead to some defensiveness and shutdown of communication. Another jumping to conclusions distortion is that of fortune telling. And fortune telling refers to the tendency to make conclusions or predictions based on little or no evidence and hold them as the gospel truth. This often happens when we come from a place of speaking our beliefs, our fears, our opinions as though they're truth versus the way we believe, the way we fear, the way we have an opinion about something. And when we create our belief system as the gospel truth, we're certainly not in a place of considering the big picture, of considering uh, how others might view things, what the evidence might be for others. And it's certainly a hinderment to increased communication. The last distortion that I'm going to talk about today is called emotional reasoning. Now, there certainly are other cognitive distortions, but for the purpose of this discussion, the last one that I'm focusing in on is called emotional reasoning. Emotional reasoning is that concept of if I feel it's true, then it's true, regardless of any other evidence to the contrary or any other opinion, I feel, therefore, it must be true. So if that's the case, think about it. If we kind of enter into our interactions with others in that place of, I feel, therefore, it must be true, and then we interact with someone who feels differently, and therefore, it's the truth for them, that person's the enemy or that person's an idiot. It becomes about making that other person wrong and us right. And once again, any desire to learn, to understand, to explore is pushed to the wayside. This weekend, I heard Dr. Brene Brown, who many of you know, is one of my favorite authors of all time. I think her research is amazing. And she was interviewed on her newest book titled Braving the Wilderness. Brene spoke about the power of dehumanization. She explained that people are hard to hate close up. And I love that that people are hard to hate close up because humans are social beings. And as social beings, we're wired to be protective of our species. So hurting 
harming, putting other human beings in a bad place is actually, we're hardwired against that. So we use words and images to dehumanize those who are in opposition of ourselves and to justify treating them as less than human. So we make them morally excluded from the human population to believe and we are able to then treat them in a different way. We basically convince ourselves that these people are at the heart of our pain or our suffering. And what's so interesting about dehumanization, and as a social worker, I certainly have studied dehumanization, it's at the core of every incident of human genocide recorded in human history. There are patterns that have been established through history with horrific results. So being aware of these things, being aware of patterns, whether they be cognitive distortion patterns, patterns in human behavior and historical happenings, if we know that these patterns have occurred in the past with horrendous results, what can we do when we see things happening that might follow those patterns to help others increase awareness and stop the kinds of words, the kinds of images, the kinds of dehumanization that can occur. How can we make a difference? Well, we honor and believe in the principles of coaching. We take those principles that we have learned and studied and use with our clients into society as a whole, and we role model it for others. That underlying belief that people are whole and resourceful and they have valuable contribution, that is at the, we don't have to agree with everyone. My goodness, what makes the world go round is that we, we have differences of opinion. And how do we allow that to be the case? It kind of comes down to that basic place of showing respect. Now, once again, I'm not preaching to anyone. I just want to explore this to maybe uh, continue to raise the awareness of the power that each of us has within to affect the overall picture. We are all children of the world and, and all brothers and sisters with one another. And that might sound really hokey. I'll increase my hokiness factor by saying that even as a child, one of my favorite songs was Let There Be Peace on Earth. Yes, I'm owning it. It's true. I used to sing it. I I loved it just moved my soul. So how do we begin to create the kind of movement that represents who we are as coaching professionals, who we are as human beings that care about other human beings. And I know that there is much already going on. But to me, the antidote is curiosity. Assumption has no room to grow in the face of curiosity. So I ask, what can you learn about opposing viewpoints? I spent a great deal of time looking for outlets where I could learn opposing viewpoints, opposing political viewpoints in a way that I could digest the information. So one thing I would say, if you're having a difficult time figuring out where can I gain new information from another viewpoint, I would encourage you probably to not, I mean, this is me, so you it might be different for you. I had a very hard time 
learning from anybody who was polarized in their thinking from the extreme views or the the maybe radical beliefs. But I looked and looked and found someone who kind of speaks from a place of moderation. And I encourage you to think about how do you get information from more than just the place of people that you agree with. I would also say that when we hear dehumanizing language, whether it's used in jokes, whether people are telling stories, whether our comments being made, that we have the courage to say, that's not funny, or that's not okay. And we don't have to get into a debate. We can just hold our space and say, that's not okay to talk that way in front of me. We can only kind of protect our own space but we can certainly let it know, be known what we are willing to accept and not accept. We can apply the things that we know to be true about the power of curiosity, the destruction of assumption, and what can be gained by appropriately challenging thoughts. I recently heard Marie Forleo interview Dr. Brene Brown, who many of you know is one of my favorite authors and researchers. I highlighted her work on wholeheartedness in a couple of our episodes. So Brene was talking about her new book, Braving the Wilderness, and she spoke about the very real aspects of dehumanizing. She explained that people are hard to hate close up because as social beings, we are wired to be protective of our species. Therefore, we use words and images to first dehumanize those who are in opposition of ourselves, those who we convince ourselves that those people are at the heart of all of our pain, all of our suffering. We systematically dehumanize groups of people to a place of being less than human to justify morally excluding them from being treated justly or fairly. The process of dehumanization is at the core of every incidence of human genocide recorded in human history. And once again, when we're able to recognize something as a pattern and the beginnings of something, and we begin to see patterns establish that repeat history, it can increase our awareness and we can make choices about how we want to respond. So how can we make a difference? And how can we work with others who want to make a difference? I believe that it starts at honoring and believing in the principles of coaching. We take those principles into society that we use within coaching to role model for others and to interact with others in such a way that it creates that belief that people are whole and resourceful, that they have valuable answers within themselves, that curiosity is more valuable than assumption. You know, we don't have to agree with everyone's point of view to be able to be respectful. And I completely understand that there are people in the world who do bad things that need to be held accountable for bad things. I'm focusing on a more systematic framework and pattern that I see established. So ultimately, curiosity, it's the antidote to assumption. When we are filled with curiosity and we're inquisitive, there's no place for assumption. 
Curiosity helps us bridge the gap of knowing into learning. What can we learn from people who might hold opposing views or come from different cultures or have different perspectives? So I suggest who might hold an opposing view of something that you believe in, but you respect this person. And even if you don't agree, you could learn from. Another incredible source that I learn so much from and feel that I'm able to completely empathize and see from others' points of view are TED Talks. So I encourage you to explore TED Talks and uh, perhaps the people you work with may explore TED Talks to get different perspectives. Other sources of information like documentaries and journals have information for us to expand our awareness. Curiosity is the antidote to cognitive distortions. What we can explore, how we can use inquiry to open possibilities for new perspectives, leaning into the gray, exploring new options. Being a part of international organizations allow us to experience interactions with people from many different cultures and countries who have who've been raised with different models of the world than perhaps we have. Now, certainly, even within our country, there are many people who are see things through very different lenses. So how can we reach across the divide and begin to learn from one another? The reality is, in choosing to be helping professionals, in choosing to help others reach their goals and expand their awareness, we have the opportunity to do that even beyond an office where we are one-to-one with a client or in a group or team coaching setting. We have the opportunity as a profession to reach out and influence and role model and be a part of a healthier environment. So I want to thank you for being a part of the show today. I hope that the exploration into some of the challenges that we face was helpful. I'm well aware that I didn't do it perfectly, that you may have said things differently or approached it from a different direction, but it was really on my heart to share some of this and to begin the conversation. If you have feedback, feel free to visit us at the Star Coach Show Facebook page and at starcoachshow.com. You can provide feedback. You can sign up for the ongoing book giveaway and explore the resources on our resource page. Now, next week, we're going to have a fabulous show with Meg Mann. Another Meg is joining us next week. And Meg is going to share with us the concept of energy and the kind of energy we bring into sessions and how that impacts the session and what responsibility we take for the energy we bring into a session. Now, what's also wonderful about what Meg is offering is that she's going to do a second interview with us around client energy and how we can help the client with their energy in session and what how that impacts the session. And we are inviting listeners to that interview. We want it to be interactive and have you bring questions. So watch for 
the information that will be in the show next week. And until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success.